Welcome in to the Get Out of Porn Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Wilkie. This week, I want to take a look at the idea of self-sabotage, or heading for the ditch when things are really good. This isn't just a problem with addiction, though. We see this with a lot of people in life. We see friends who can't live normally. When things are good, they end up crashing their car. They end up having a major fight with their parents. They end up breaking up with their boyfriend or their girlfriend or, or whatever it may be. They always end up having drama or problems in their life when things are going too good. We see this a lot in addiction, though. Maybe we have this long string of sobriety, things are going really well, we've been sober for three, four, five months, whatever it is, and then we just stop. We kind of head for the ditch. We start making dumb choices. We, We sabotage ourselves. We end up taking some of the filter software off our computers and our phones. We end up hanging around maybe the same places or the same people that got us in trouble last time. We start staying up a little bit later and and kind of spiraling, right? The times that maybe were difficult for us alone in our bedroom at night, we find ourselves going back to that instead of creating the or staying in the new routines that we have created. So self-sabotage happens in a lot of different ways, but it typically is where we just can't stand things being normal. We don't know what sobriety looks like, and so we find ourselves constantly, once again, heading for the proverbial ditch on either side of the road because we can't stand normalcy. So why is that? I want to explore first why that is, why sometimes we self-sabotage in this addiction and we run toward the things we know that we shouldn't, but then I want to, on the back end, talk about what we can do to fix some of that. And so I think there are a few different reasons why we self-sabotage, the first of which is probably the most prevalent, we hate ourselves. There's a lot of self-loathing. We don't deserve good things. We don't like who we are, and so maybe in the quiet times, that's when it gives us time for self-reflection. When things are good, that's either we feel we don't deserve it because we're bad people, we're too shameful, we've done too many bad things, we've hurt too many people, we don't deserve to be happy, or it's in the normal times where it's quiet enough for where we can hear our own thoughts where we can think about who we actually are, where we can look in the mirror and come face to face with ourselves. That's really difficult. If we aren't happy with who we are and if we're still full of shame, full of guilt, full of all of the things, the self-loathing, all these things that are really driving us away from the core, away from who we are, and, and that's what's driving us to the addiction. And so if there is self-hatred or self-loathing in there, and we, if we truly don't like ourselves, then yes, we will self-sabotage because that's merely us following through on what we already feel about ourselves. We already feel like we're somebody worthy of sabotaging. So when we do that, again, we'll get to this toward the end, but we have to look at ourselves truly in the mirror and determine who are we and can I sit in quietness? This is why boredom and why loneliness and, and things like that are such a struggle for people because They don't like themselves when they're alone. They don't like their thoughts, subconsciously or consciously. So that would be the first reason, I think, why people self-sabotage. They just don't like themselves. The second is the idea that sometimes normal is not normal for somebody. Due to past trauma, due to the instability of their home growing up, maybe some very disorganized attachment, whatever it may be, they're not used to life being normal. They don't know what that looks like. So when we start talking about, hey, can we create our own sense of normalcy? They don't know what that is. Maybe they were back and forth between parents growing up or they were 
worried about their parents' emotional volatility. They never knew if they were going to be happy or angry with them, whatever it is. And so you end up living your life under the gun and you don't know what normalcy is due to past trauma, due to past relationships, poor attachment, all of that. So then we come along again as, as addiction therapists or as friends or whatever else and we can't figure out why normal isn't an option for them and it's because their dysfunction has become their function, so to speak. That's just normal to them. Not normal is normal. So they have to define what what do they want normal to be. But that's one of the reasons sometimes people self-sabotage is they don't even understand what normal looks like and can't carry it out. They're just going back to what they know. The third is that also due to trauma, it's kind of a blend of the first two, which is that sometimes the quiet, sometimes the normal is dangerous or unsafe. You'll hear people say, I was just waiting for the shoe to drop. Well, where does that come from? When has a shoe dropped in their life before? They need to go back and understand, oh yeah, that's when you know things were going great until I learned that my dad cheated on my mom. Well, yeah, no wonder why quiet and normal is so scary to them is because life was normal until something horrible happened. So they act out sometimes as a in a way to kind of control the narrative, so to speak. Instead of having something hurt them that they weren't prepared for, they'll just go ahead and hurt themselves so as to, quote-unquote, be prepared for it. So sometimes quiet or the, the normal life is unsafe or it's dangerous or it, it represents a waiting for something bad to happen for that shoe to drop and they're just trying to get ahead of the ball and fix it themselves, which obviously doesn't fix it, but at least it keeps you in control of those moments. And last, I would say, is just a simple lack of vigilance possibly driven by pride or laziness or something else, that does happen. Sometimes we just get sick of dealing with the addiction. We get sick of the normal life and we go back to what we're used to. We go back to the addiction because there's the addiction sometimes has become normal to us. So sobriety isn't the picture-perfect thing that we wanted it to be. We, we go back to what we know. So sometimes that's the case and sometimes it's driven by just the desire, sometimes this lack of vigilance of, I've got it, I don't need to do those things, I don't need to go to my meetings anymore, well, I don't need to keep the software on my computer, I don't need to check my emotions, I don't need to call my accountability partners. Is that pride talking and arrogance? Is that laziness that you don't want to do it, or is there something else going on? They stop being vigilant for some reason, so are they wanting to go back into the addiction because that's what's normal, or are they just kind of out of pride deciding that they no longer need this. They don't need help. Those are the four that I would kind of say are the, maybe, and I could be missing one. If, if I'm missing one, make sure that uh, maybe get a hold of me or, or you know, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts if you know of a different one because, I again, I'm sure I'm missing something in there as to why somebody might self-sabotage. However, what can we do about it? First things first, someone needs to work through why they don't like themselves, and they need to work through the shame and come in contact with God's grace. Grace is what breaks through shame. I'm a horrible person. I can't do anything right. Well, that is naturally going to be projected into life. If you think you can't do anything right, I've never done anything right in the past. Why would I in the future? I'm going to let my past define my future, which kind of goes along with the first one of them hating themselves. They need to come to grips with what happened in the past. Yes, that's trauma processing, but that's also grace. That's recognizing that God has forgiven you even in your worst. When you were at the deepest, darkest part of your addiction, God forgave you. 
So, can you forgive yourself, or are you going to stand above God? If he has the ability to die on the cross for you when you're at your worst, and you think that you can't forgive yourself, does that not put you above God? Seems so to me. Come in contact with grace, but also process some of the things that you're most shameful about. Most of the time when I work with clients, the shame is not based in what they've done as much as what's happened to them that they've internalized as something that they've done. For instance, maybe they, as a as a kid, were abused or had, were molested or something like that, and they internalized it as, as, that's my fault. My dad beat me because I wasn't a good kid. I was sexually molested because I must have desired it. I must have wanted it. That's really the core of the shame. They internalized something that happened to them and made it their own. And out of that shame, they've acted out of, in their addiction. But the addiction isn't necessarily the thing. Yeah, there's plenty of shame surrounding that as well, but that's merely going back to the shame from the beginning. They need to work through that shame and process that as to why they hate themselves. And they need to be willing to admit, I hate myself. I don't like who I am. And here's a quick test. And I'm sure I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but here's a quick test. What would you say to the addict inside of you? The internal addict, as we discussed in internal family systems, if you had a chance to speak face-to-face, would you want to punch him, throw him against the wall, scream at him, lecture him, all of that? Or would you want to understand him and maybe hug him and maybe see what is going on in his life that's driving him to the addiction? If it's the former and you want to punch him, that shows that you don't like yourself fully. There are parts of you that you hate, that you would like to get rid of. You need to work through that. You need to come in contact with those parts. What else can be done? I think as far as it goes with the normal, you need to define what you want the normal to look like. If you're not used to normal, you need to maybe again process through some trauma, but you also need to understand what does normal look like to me? What would I want normal to look like? I don't know because I didn't grow up with it maybe, you might be saying. But what do I want it to be if it could be? Am I scared of that? Am I scared of maybe paving my own way? Can I live with that? If you're worried about quiet being dangerous, quiet being unsafe, waiting for that shoe to drop, once again, I hate to keep saying it, but you need to process through the shoe that dropped the first time. If you're still waiting on the other shoe to drop, what would that look like? You can always do best case, worst case, most likely case scenario. If that shoe dropped, if in the normalcy something bad, something terrible happened, can I prepare myself for the worst? Can I prepare myself and hope for the best? And what can I likely expect if the worst actually happened? But we need to actually realize that quiet is a, a beautiful thing. It's a time where we can connect with ourselves and with God. And when life is going normal, it is a very good thing. But we need to understand why it's a good thing. We need to even make a list, maybe write it down as to why do I want things to be normal and what am I chasing in my sobriety? And what does normal look like? And for the last one, as far as lack of vigilance goes, where you just maybe get prideful and you think, hey, I've got this. What part of you is telling you you got this? Is the addict slowly creeping his way back in? Does he want the addiction? Does he want to go toward that? I think there needs to be some discussion surrounding that as well internally. What is causing you to believe you no longer need it? Is it the embarrassment of having something on your computer? Is it the embarrassment of, of maybe having to avoid certain places or turn off the TV? Maybe turning your head when your buddies are over watching the football game and cheerleaders come on. Is something driving you toward feeling like you no longer need to be vigilant? That's where we begin to self-sabotage as we stop doing the things that worked for us. 
we stop taking ownership of our addiction and we start looking at ways to basically act like we're beyond it. Are we really beyond the addiction? And why are we needing to be beyond the addiction? Is it okay to call ourselves addicts? I had a client who really struggles with calling himself an addict. I don't know that I'm an addict. I just don't, that has such negative connotations. But when he came to understand I am an addict is when he was able to actually get a handle on it. And he was willing to do the things that it took to get out of the addiction. All of a sudden, his vigilance increased tenfold. Because he recognized, no, this is a lot bigger than me, and this is a lot more difficult than I would like it to be. So as far as it goes with staying out of the ditch, pursuing normalcy, you need to decide what normal is to you. You need to maybe write that down. You need to learn to forgive yourself and to find grace and to love yourself enough to say, I'm worth a normal life. I don't have to live in the shadows and I don't have to hate myself and live in shame for the rest of my life. I've done some really bad things and I've hurt a lot of people, but I've been forgiven and I can forgive myself. I can move on. I can accept that forgiveness. So these are just a few quick ways to avoid self-sabotage. I realize once again, brief discussion on a very big topic. This isn't just an addiction thing. This is life, but understand what part of you is running towards sabotaging yourself. Talk to that part. What is coming up? And why do I feel the need to head for the ditch? Am I afraid of life going too well? Am I afraid of being kind to myself? Am I afraid of giving myself good things? Do I think that I deserve that after all the garbage that I've done? I hope you do. I hope you realize that God wants the best for you. I want the best for you. You should want the best for you. Don't let self-sabotage destroy you. With that, we're going to wrap up. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you again next week.